What is up, kangaroo chasers? And we're in for a real treat for this episode. For the first time ever, we're taking a deep dive into the Scottish Rugby League. That's right, Rugby League in Scotland is growing. It's been a little bit stop-start over the years with club numbers domestically, uh, but always quite strong at national level. They've got some good players, your Lachlan Coots and your Ewan Aikens and guys like that. Uh, so they're always, you know, they put up a good fight, put up a good show. But domestically, it's been a bit hit and miss. But this year, things are looking good. They've got five clubs in the National League. They've got the Aberdeen Warriors coming back in the Scottish Cup. And things are growing in women's wheelchair disability and juniors as well. So plenty going on in this World Cup year for Scotland. And we've got their operations director, Ollie Cruikshank, uh, on the line with me for this episode. We have a chat about all of the above. So everything happening over there. Absolute deep dive uh, into rugby league in Scotland. Um, I've been excited about this one for a while. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, just a really good chat, and I learned a lot. I know you will as well. Uh, guys, chasingroos.com for all of your international rugby league gear, as you know. Uh, discount code exclusive for people that are listening to this episode. It's for 10% off across the range. That's uh, going to be Bravehearts10. So 10% off at chasingroos.com. Use the discount code BRAVEHEARTS10. Of course, the Bravehearts are the Scottish national team, so that makes sense. Uh, make sure you're using that. And of course, while we're while we're advertising things, uh, can't go past our main man, the sponsor of Chasing Kangaroos podcast for 2021, madhainsport.com.au. If you need logos, jerseys, uh, brands, design for your club, doesn't have to be a rugby league club, can be anything. Uh, check out matthainsport.com.au and if you need your kit, your jerseys produced, he can do that as well. Mention you chase kangaroos for 10% off. Um, But that's it, guys. Um, Great chat with Ollie Cruikshank, Operations Director for Scottish Rugby League. I'm Michael Carboni, and this is our Scotland Deep Dive on the Chasing Kangaroos podcast. Kangaroo Chasers, special treat with us tonight. We're taking a deep dive into Scottish Rugby League and I've got Ollie Cruikshank. He's the Operations Director for Scotland Rugby League. He's also a match official uh, for Wheelchair Rugby League and as I understand it, Ollie, you're going to be the first Scottish official ever at a Rugby League World Cup. Uh, yeah, no, um, that's what I've been told. Yeah, kind of. I think we've had match commissioners and stuff, but um, on on field match official. That's that's what I've been told. Yeah, so it's really exciting. I'm um, looking forward to autumn, mate. Welcome to the show. Glad to have the first ever Scottish official with us, and that's all of of course assuming that the World Cup goes ahead. So our fingers and our toes are crossed. Uh, at time of recording, we heard today the organisers are all systems go pushing forward as they have been this entire time doing an incredible job. So uh, by the time this is released, who knows what the news will be or what the world will look like. But at this point, all systems go, mate. So you must be absolutely pumped for it. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's kind of um, been a long time coming, kind of been working through lockdown with the the group of match officials over here. Um, And yeah, about three weeks or so, we've got the the nod that I've been selected. So it's now all systems go, kind of back to back for the last five weeks, been travelling down to England to, to officiate, kind of, uh, I was uh, part of the team that did the England-Wales game last weekend, which is mm. a fantastic experience. So, yeah, no, it's, it's all systems go at the minute. Well done, man. That's really exciting stuff. And I've been absolutely pumped about this conversation because we hear bits and pieces about Scot- Scottish Rugby League and there's been plenty of golden points about Scottish Rugby League on our show, especially around, you know, um, Glasgow or the, the Edinburgh Eagles or even Aberdeen more recently. Um, but we've never had a real deep dive um, for your nation, mate. So I really want to dig into what's happening over there domestically, men's, women's, wheelchair, juniors, disability. 
Um, and I want to talk about, you know, World Cup preparations and the national side, the Bravehearts as well. So, mate, plenty to discuss. And um, I guess where where we should start is, uh, mate, your title, Operations Director. Um, what does that mean, mate? What do you do for Scottish Rugby League? What's your role include? <laughs> Pretty much everything, to be honest. <laughs> uh, well, anything apart from development. So we, we've got one paid member of staff. Um, James Sluggy. So he oversee. He's the national development manager. So he's in charge of developing the game from grassroots um, up, up to the the open age. Um, so yeah, can he, he oversees that? And then the day to day running of Scotland Rugby League's falls onto me. Um, and then I oversee the national teams from the the senior men all the way down to the the under sixteens. Wow. Um, yeah. So basically, anything that's not developing the game falls across my plate. So yeah, it's a a, a fun job to be a as a volunteer, but absolutely love it. Well, sensational, man. Sounds like I'm speaking to the right guy, so this is fantastic. Mate, I, I want to start domestically. So um, you guys have just kicked off, or at time of recording, you've just kicked off your National League for 2021. Uh, five teams, yeah. Fife Lions, Glasgow Rugby League, Strathmore Silverbacks, the new the new guys, the Fourth Valley Vikings, and of course the uh, Ed- Edinburgh Eagles are back. Um, you've had some nines as well before the season kicked off. And um, I'm interested to note, sort of, how's it all going? And, and you know, it must be great to be back out on the field after a bit of a COVID break. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's, it's been tough for the clubs, obviously, having a 14, 15-month break of absolutely no activity. Um, so, but it also, on the flip side, gave, it gave clubs a chance to kind of reboot themselves. And obviously, Fourth Valley Vikings formed during lockdown, um, which no, no one foresee, saw a new club. Yeah. Um, <laughs> coming out coming out of COVID. So that, that was definitely a positive. Um, due to restrictions, Edinburgh, have, um, they're not in the Northeast League this year, so they're, they're able to take part in our National League, um, which is good to have them back. Um, so yeah, kind of it's it's all, 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 all mad, really. And then obviously on top of that, we've got the Scottish Cup, um, which kicks off this weekend, actually, uh, where we'll be inviting Aberdeen Warriors back into the fold as well, um, there with a view to... They'll be back in the National League in 2022. So, you yeah, know, it's, it's been really good recently work, working with the team um, or all the teams, really, um, to, to get the sport back up and running. So, yeah, kind of kicked off last weekend. Um, yeah, Fourth Valley opened up against Strathmore. So, yeah, no, it was really, really exciting. Um, yeah, c- can't wait to see what happens over the next couple of weeks. Sensational. Once this is released, there might be a few more rounds sort of under the belt, but... Um, good to see that it's all happening. Five te- five clubs taking part this year. Of course, you mentioned the Scottish Cup as well, which will have six clubs, including the Ab- the returning Aberdeen Warriors, who we understand will be back in the National League next year potentially as well. So it's all sort of growing, uh, which is fantastic. Can you give us? Can you give our listeners, Ollie, maybe a bit of a brief history or, or recent history of what the domestic league has looked like in terms of numbers of clubs and who's sort of been strong, who's been up there. Um, and, and just give us a bit, yeah, a bit of an understanding for where we've been so we can start to talk about where we are at right now. Yeah, no, definitely. So kind of over, over the years, it's kind of fluctuated numbers, numbers wise. Um, we, 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 I think what 2013, we had our most, I think we had about 10 clubs. Yeah. Um, but then kind of, we lost all our funding. So kind of all our paid staff obviously it had to be made redundant and then clubs kind of follow, followed suit. Um, so it was, it's been a, a long rebuild process since 2013. Um, and then I think this year is probably the most um, clubs we've had active for, for a while. Um, kind of, we've had a club, clubs kind of fleet in and out and do one or two fixtures, but kind of to actually be up and running, um, this is I think the most we've had for about three years now, um, which is, which is really exciting. Um, and then looking back over, over, the history of kind of the game here, kind of the, our most successful club will be Edinburgh Eagles who have won the National League 10 times. Mm. Um, and then kind of followed up behind will be Aberdeen who have won it four times, um, so, which is, which is really exciting. Um, and obviously of, of as well, Edinburgh have um, been runners up six. So kind of they've been in 16 grand finals, yeah, which well. is <laughs> not, not to be overlooked. Um, yeah. Kind of they, they, they won their first National League the year after they were formed for Edinburgh, which is, which is pretty, pretty well um, going there. So yeah, no, it's, it's, they're, they're the two main clubs. I'm really excited for next year to, to welcome Aberdeen back into, into the fold from the national league and to see that rivalry reignited because you used to get some juicy games when Edinburgh and Aberdeen 
played against each other. So yeah, that that's really exciting. But it's also great to see new clubs forming. Obviously, with Fourth Valley Vikings, um, Five Lions came back last year. Obviously, COVID, so there wasn't any fixtures, and they'd had a few years out. So yeah, it was good to see them back. Um, and then James is in discussions with a, a couple of other clubs forming, hopefully for, for in time for 2022. Um, so yeah, kind of the the open Asian game is uh, definitely definitely growing and going in the right direction now. Um, so yeah, kind of we're we're getting getting there slowly. It's t- taken time, but we're we're now in a, a position where we've we've got a decent de- decent league. Kind of we could do with a couple more teams. Um, and how that fits in the geography of Scotland, we're not sure yet. That'll be the challenge at the end of this season once we know yep. kind of who's looking to be in, in 2022 because t- depending if, if the talks go the way they are, we might have two divisions, a, a north and a south. Wow. Because um, well, ho- hopefully the, the clubs we're in talks with, are, they're in the, in the north of Scotland. So kind of that, that will give us a, a good split there. Um, and obviously run the two leagues and the grand final would be, or the playoffs would be between the two leagues to, to get our... Our, our grand final winner. So yeah, no, it's, it's definitely going in the right direction, and it's amazing to see kind of the old clubs coming back because they've obviously time out. And then the COVID again, it's given them a chance to to reset and look at look at things again. Um, so yeah, no, it's <laughs> there have been a, a few positives from from the many negatives that have happened over the last eighteen months or so. But yeah, no, it's def- definitely going in the right direction. It seems like the COVID break has made everyone hungrier, and, and it's great to hear about that expansion you know i was here i was expecting you know aberdeen to make it a six-team competition next year but hearing you could have seven or eight and hearing they're stretching up north as well because i assume geographically correct me if i'm wrong but most of them would be close to that sort of english border most of the clubs is that correct yeah kind of we call it like the central belt so yeah so we've got glasgow um fourth valley halfway between glasgow and edinburgh but a little bit north yeah. um and then fife are just o- over the bridge so you've got those those four four clubs there kind of and then strathmore are probably halfway between edinburgh and aberdeen yeah. um so that they could fit in either a north or a south league depending on 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 how it fits so you yeah, know it's kind of fits it's good to see us progressing further north um and if we, we used to have three teams in in the north of scotland with two teams in moray um which are um, which is just a bit further past Aberdeen. So it's good to see kind of there is interest up there again. Um, and it's, but to be honest, it's not just in the open age. We've also got interest up there in um, disability and under 16s. So it's kind of, it, it, it's all obviously we've got plenty of time to talk about the other bits, but yeah, no, it's all, all seems to be falling in place just now. Yeah. Sensational. Great to see. I hope you can get back towards, I mean, eight's fantastic. If you can get there for 2022, I'd love to see it back to the 10 clubs or more. And uh, you know, any, any, any progression there in Scotland is fantastic because, as you say, there's been some lean years and um, to get back to the point where it is is fantastic. The Aberdeen Warriors has been interesting to me and um, because, obviously, they were very successful, the second most successful club, as you've mentioned, in the league, uh, but they disappeared uh, around about, I think it was 2016-17. Now they're back. So yeah. I'm wondering if you can um, share with the listeners sort of what that story is, like why, where did they go and how did they? how are they back? What's the story there? Um, I think it was kind of more kind of at the time when they, they left, it was kind of one of our lean periods and kind of clubs were struggling to get up to Aberdeen to play games and that sort of thing. So kind of the, the, it was more the clubs around them kind of stopped playing. Um, so they, they didn't, the only opposition they had was traveling to England every week or every other week. And that took its toll on the, on the club and the players, um, was to get from Aberdeen just to the border of England, not even to the first club. You're talking six hours oh, wow. on a bus. Yeah, um, and then Newcastle's another two at least from that. So you, it, it's it, it was um, I think that it was more the, the toll on the players there, um, and they, they they did well. Kind of um, Craig Parslow, who's their head coach, is is passionate about about the sport. Uh, he's still at, he's involved. He's coaching the team again now. Um, but they they've brought in a new a new board. Um, and committee around 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 the Warriors, which is take, taking them in the right direction. So yeah, kind of it's o- over the last few months we've been had several conversations with them around kind of coming back and not rushing back. So that's why they're in the Scottish Cup this year and not the league. Yep. So they're just making sure that there is the demand for it again. Um, so yeah, I've been working with with their chairman over the last few days, just making sure their players are registered for for the Scottish Cup this weekend, and their numbers are, have been really good. Um, so yeah, they they this morning named their twenty man squad for for tomorrow, um, and they'll cut that down to eighteen on the day. But yeah, no, it's it's going in the right direction up there. Um, 
Craig Craig's doing a good job getting getting the interest back in into the players and they're looking to expand the club as well as we move forwards to twenty two. Great, great to see them progressing and making noise again. It really is the Scottish Cup. Like, how's that work? So I understand it's a knockout competition. Um, yes. How's how does a knockout competition work with six clubs? Um, so we 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 did a draw and um, two teams um, received a bye through to the semi finals, uh-huh. um, and then we did, then did the draw for for the quarter final, so to speak. So there's t- two games this weekend. Um, then the two winners will go through to the semi finals um, to to join. Edinburgh and Strathmore, who were the lucky teams to receive the buys. So yeah, kind of Fourth Valley, the new boys are heading up to Aberdeen. Um, and then it's uh, Glasgow taking a trip east to play, um, take on Fife. So yeah, now it's going to be exciting. That Glasgow Fife game should be should be pretty fiery by the sounds of things. And lucky for the other the, the two clubs that got the buys. That's a, <laughs> a, bit, a bit of luck there. That's fantastic. But yeah, it is good to see so much action and so many games um, happening locally. Um, Edinburgh as well, they're a team that's always interested me because, um, and it's good to see them back. You mentioned earlier, they spend a lot of their time in the northeast of England, obviously in that, in that division and they do quite well. Yeah. I think they came, I think they came runners up, uh, last time, last time the competition was played, of course, pre COVID, uh, but they never really played in the Scottish league or, or they haven't played in the Scottish league for a couple of years. So it must be great to have them back for this season anyway. Oh, def- definitely, and we're, we're working with their committee um, for twenty two again to ha- have a have a team in in both competitions because um, their, their numbers at training are, are great, so that they have enough bodies to to put out a team in the the northeast and and the Scottish League. Wow! So it's kind of we'll be working with them to to have that because in an ideal world that that's what we want. We want we want all our clubs in our leagues as well as if we can support them in other competitions, and that that's just great for the development of the sport up here. Um, and if if you can put out two teams, that's that's even more people playing the sport. Um, which at the end of the day, that's that's what we're looking for is kind of getting people playing playing rugby league and having having the ball in their hands. So kind of yeah, kind of if we could do that with other clubs down the line, then we'll, we'll look at that as well. But yeah, and that's definitely what the vision for for next year with Edinburgh is to have them fielding two teams each weekend um, in the two different comps. Yeah, sensational. That's uh, that shows their strength for sure, and um, the fact that they do so well. In that northeast league, it just shows you know what what potential there is in Scotland, which I think is amazing. Um, speaking of other competitions, Edinburgh Eagles, there was a lot of talk about Euro 13s last year, and a lot of things have been on hold. And the Eagles were one of the clubs in that competition. Um, I don't suppose you know too much about what's going on there, and if their plans are still on track for, for 2022 with the Eagles involved. Yeah, I, and to be honest, I haven't heard much since it got postponed. I've not heard much around the um the euro comp but yeah kind of they, we, we we were obviously going to support edinburgh in in that competition um we, we weren't involved in any way but obviously if they had a home draw we'd, we'd be supporting them with with match officials and that sort of thing but yeah kind of it's it's definitely an exciting concept um to to see um kind of it, and ho- hopefully and there will be a there could be a euro club competition again in, in or starting in 22 it'll be i think it's the right thing to develop the game out with the professional ranks um but yeah no kind of it's it was definitely an exciting concept and yeah kind of one that edinburgh were definitely looking forward to because i had a few conversations with them and they were really excited about it um so yeah kind of and anything we we can do to support our clubs in these sort of things is definitely something we'll look at yeah sensational and they were if that had gone ahead and i'm sure they're still on on track for 2022 now but if it had gone ahead i had the eagles as probably my favorites to take out that competition so uh Obviously, very strong there, so it's fantastic, mate. Tell me about so we've we've talked plenty of men's rugby league, but obviously there's so much going on as you've already sort of touched on um, with with juniors, disability, wheelchair. But I, I want to know first about women's rugby league. So I noticed on your yeah. socials recently that you've had a call out for some training sessions and things like that. So obviously it's in its infancy, but what can you tell me about women's rugby league in Scotland? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, so it. it uh, we launched it in February, March 2020, had one session and then everything down to a, a sudden stop. Um, so yeah, kind of we're, we're looking, we're relaunching again, um, 17th of July. Um, so it's like t- two weeks away, um, kind of put, all coming together in Edinburgh for the, for the first session in, in over a year, um, which is really exciting. Um, we're just in the process of arranging our first test match um, for October. 
Um, at the minute, can't say any more than that. But oh, yeah, damn. it's going to be that's that's going to be exciting. But you can tell me off air, Ollie. As as we, you can tell me off air. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> and then as soon as we've got it uh, confirmed by International Rugby League, obviously we'll, we'll let you know to but you can sneak into your golden points. Um, but yeah, no, that, that so that that's really exciting. Um, yeah, the the coaches um, team obviously that we've got one new coach because. Um, Kay unfortunately had to step down for other commitments. Okay. Um, so she's been replaced by um, Castleford Tigers coach Kirsty. Um, so that's really exciting. It's headed up by Andrea Dobson, who's recently just got a role with Sheffield Eagles Foundation. Um, oh, so yes, yeah, so kind of the, the coaching teams coming coming together. They're they're really excited about get, get, getting everything up and running and just seeing being part of the kind of emergence re-emergence I should say of the women's rugby league because obviously ireland recently launched their training squad for, for for this year and obviously wales took on england last weekend so it's just to be part of that and moving forward with, with women's rugby league is really exciting and then on the back of the national teams we're looking at how we can create domestic teams up here yeah um, and hopefully if, if we can get everything lined up 2022 there might be a a women's domestic comp of some description we're not sure what it will look like yet um we have had a couple of clubs interested um okay. a, bit, a bit like in the men's game with the, the north of Scot- north of scotland kind of there have been some women's rugby union clubs that are interested because obviously unions in the winter we play in the summer um so it's kind of <laughs> it's it's good for good good for both codes um so yeah kind of that's that's another task that's on um, our national development manager's plate is to kind of <laughs> see how we can develop that. And if he's literally, was it yesterday, came back full time. He's been on furlough for the last year or so. Oh, wow. So he's kind of come back full time and his, his to-do list is very long. Um, so yeah, kind of it's, it's, but it's really exciting. I'd rather it be that way than scraping the barrel, trying to, <laughs> trying to find stuff to do. So yeah, no, it's, it, the women's rugby, I think it's, it, it's, untapped resort potential there kind of i'm really excited to see where that can go yeah uh, um and yeah kind of long-term aim potentially could, could there be a women's super league team um in scotland kind of there's nothing stopping us there kind of uh, we have we have had talks with with the rfl about right. having teams in in their comps um obviously they've got the championship and the super league um so yeah kind of if we could have a domestic comp here as well um and then feed into into the the championship and super league that's definitely got to be a long-term aim of of the domestic game here um and then that'll only in turn strengthen the national team well you never um, know so yeah, no, it's, it's it's a good big picture plan and you never know you've seen the the southern conference of the super league for the women you know with the sides around london and also wales so they can do something similar further north i suppose there's no reason why they can't be a scottish team and i think it's great that you guys are thinking big picture already which is fantastic so we've like domestically you, uh, the way it sounds, you see it more as new clubs for the women's teams, or do you see there being um, links to the men's clubs? Like maybe you know, uh, like uh, Edinburgh Eagles having a women's team, for example. Like which way do you see it going? Or is it a mixture of both? Um, a, mi- a mixture of the both, to be honest. Kind yeah. of, I think kind of obviously the player base it helps if it's a union team coming coming over, but then we we'd look to tie them into a partnership with. The, the men's clubs we've already got because um, that's what that's the way with the disability that's what we went with them so it's kind of yeah kind of could we could we have a a women's team based in Glasgow and they they play under the same banner mm. but they're a separate separate club so it'll be Glasgow Rugby League women but they're kind of their own club but they play under the same badge um, can, and do it that way same with Edinburgh yeah, cool. um, and the others and it's just that way it's kind of it just creates that club identity across across each city um, and then but they are their individual clubs, so to speak. So kind of a, a mixture of the two, kind of a hybrid model, really. Yeah, cool. That's really cool. And it's good to see such interest already. You, you touched on it, um, union and league being played in, in different um, seasons. Uh, what's the what, what's the status of players over there? So are the, um, are the players in your league union players in the off-season and league players in, in your season? Or do you have purely league players and purely union players? Like, how's it work over there? Because obviously every nation's different. And um, yeah. I'm always interested to hear, you know, what, what the sort of cross-section is of league players. Uh, it's changed recently. Kind of, We've definitely now got more just league players. Um, but it, in the past, historically it was, you, they played union in the, in the, 
the winter and then came over to league in the summer. But now there are players that have stopped playing union and they're just playing league. Um, so which which is good to see. I did, we'd love to have more more of them. Um, but we're happy just to to kind of facilitate anyone that wants to play the sport. Kind of <laughs> we won't stop someone playing just because they play the other code. Yeah. Um, yeah kind of there's, then nowadays there's so many transferable skills from the two codes. So kind of it benefits everyone if they play both. Um, so yeah, no, kind of it, it's definitely a mixture. Um, Ed- Edinburgh have definitely got more kind of league players than union players, but yeah, yeah. kind of it's yeah, the other clubs, it's, it's definitely a mixture. Yeah, interesting. And how do you guys go about, I guess, recruiting your players or how do the clubs go about recruiting? Do they find difficulties? Do they have trouble from the other code or is it, you know, how's that all work? Uh, not not so much. And, and days gone by, yeah, kind of it was always frowned upon if, you, if you're if you a union player coming to league. But now it's kind of, I think when you, when you look at the, the professional game and kind of coaches going from one code to the other, it's it's not not frowned upon as, as much anymore. So you kind of, you do get a lot more crossover there. Um, so, and, and then it's more kind of once one one or two players start playing it, they then tell their mates, you tell their mates and it kind of snowball effect mm-hmm. kind of, and you, you'll get, you'll get more union players coming, coming and trying it and then and realizing that it's actually a great sport to be involved in. Um, yeah. So kind of, yeah, it's, it's, it's not too bad. It, it seems to be working at the minute. Sensational. And um, what about the, I guess, the public perception of the sport? I mean, obviously soccer is king or football will be king over there. Um, obviously union would be more popular than league in Scotland as well. But I'm interested to know what the, gen- like, do the general public understand that there is another rugby code? Um, what What's the sort of perception of rugby league in Scotland ge- from a general public perspective? Uh, it's not as big as, as we'd hope. Um, yeah, kind of it, it, it is definitely a, a minority sport here and kind of pretty much everything is is dwarfed by by football and mm. and, and union. Um, so yeah, kind of it, it's 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 tough at times, but kind of it, we always seem to get a resurgence on the back of a, a four nations or a World Cup. Um, so kind of we, we just need to build on on this year and kind of on the back of the World Cup happening in in the autumn kind of really make make our push then um ahead of 22 um so kind of it's it you always get those those peaks and we just need to capitalize this year on on, on the back of the world cup um and especially because of how much activity there's going to be at the world cup this year obviously with the the men's and the wheelchair and the pdrl all happening at the same time um it's it's definitely something we where we need to capture the imaginations of of of, of the public but also the scottish media um if we can get if we can get them um, watching a bit more and kind of reporting a bit more on it, it'll, it'll only help grow the game here because um, that's always the challenge is get, getting the sport out into the news. Uh, but yeah, kind of it's we've got a plan in place, so kind of we just hopefully um, everything goes go, goes in the right directions over the next few months. Yeah, sensational. Do you find that the you mentioned obviously the PDRL and the the wheelchair sort of stuff? Does that get does that sort of get talked about in the media because it is something that is you know a little bit different and, and something that rugby league in particular uh, in the UK does celebrate um, you know and, and obviously you've just had the Celtic Cup so Wales did very well there um, but um, yeah do you find that people are talking about the other versions of our sport as well? Yeah, definitely. They kind of at the at the minute. I think we probably get more coverage on on the disability versions of the sport, the PD mm. and the wheelchair. Um, and we we are also launching learning disability as well, and that seems to be getting a bit more traction at the minute than than the running game. Um, but kind of it all, as far as we're concerned, it all kind of links into the same the same picture for us. Kind of it's when when we don't mind if it's running game or wheelchair or PD. Kind of as long as we're getting rugby league out there and people are aware of it all that that's the main thing um and then from there we can we can we can develop the the, the whole sport um but yeah no de- definitely at the minute kind of there's a lot of media attention around the the wheelchair um on the back of the celtics and then the england wales last week um it's it's really exciting to to be part of that that movement and to be there it's really cool and there's um it's a part it's some it's a it's an area here in australia where we're sort of lacking like we hear a little bit more about the wheelchair rugby league in particular. The mighty St. George Dragons, uh, you know, they've won, I think, five grand finals in a row. So I hear about that once yeah. a year at least. 
But um, over there, you guys seem to do it well and really celebrate it. And the Celtic Cup recently between Scotland, Ireland and Wales, and obviously Wales were f- like just far and away absolutely smashed everybody, um, but still a great event. Um, talk us through that event and and obviously it's happened a few, It's it's is it four years now that it's been running? Am I right or correct? Uh, I think this year was um, Wales's fifth title. Fifth. Um, I think it was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, kind of it all kind of <laughs> merges into one eventually. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of the first the first year of the Celtic Cup, it was it was just Ireland and Scotland. Yeah. Um, which was in 2015, um, and then yeah, Wales joined the party in 2016. Um, and then they've they've dominated they, it since then. They took over the party. Um, <laughs> they really yeah, did. definitely. They, they they came and ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So but they kind of it, this year was a a tough one, obviously, with everyone being in different countries and different uh, restrictions and in, in place and stuff. Kind of going into the Celtics, I think Wales had had a good few months of training on, under their belt, whereas uh, the, the Scotland team their first training session in 18 months was the night before the Celtics. Um, so obviously that's not great preparation. Um, and then in 2020, we got a new coaching team in place. So they hadn't actually worked with the team until the night before the Celtics. Um, but we've, we've now got sign off from the Scottish Institute of Sport for our wheelchair team to, to continue training because we're still not allowed to train indoors. Wow. Um, so um, currently all the Scottish based players are training outdoors. Um, and then to play matches, they have to travel to England at the minute um, to play in the leagues down there because we're not allowed to do in- indoor contact unless you're um, given dispensation for elite sport, where it's, and that's only national teams at the minute for for the indoor. So yeah, kind of our, our Scotland team have got dispensations so they can train indoors now. Um, but they and then to host the Celtics, we then had to apply for dispensation from the government um, to to host the host the tournament and kind of a lot of documents and paperwork to be done there. Um, but it all, all makes sense. And there's the restrictions. You won't allow any fa- um, spectators and that sort of thing. Kind of, so yeah, kind of it's it, it, a lot of restrictions to follow, but for, for the right reasons. So yes, yeah, it's, it's been a tough, tough period for the wheelchair, but kind of the new, the new coaching team in place, they were pleased with where, where we were considering we'd not played for 18 months or trained for 18 months. Um, and they, they've now set there set the goals for, for the next three months and tra- training kicking off in earth in, in three weeks time for them. Um, and then kind of they'll be in camp every couple of weeks from, from now to, till November, um, just building towards the world cup. Um, so yeah, no, it's, um, it, it was, it was a good hit out. So we kind of, we knew where we were and what, what we need to do. Um, but yeah, no, it's, a, it, it's just a really exciting time for, for, for them and kind of, we've got plans to develop the program, um, we're in the process of creating kind of like a, a residence v exiles origin type series. Oh, cool! Um, which 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 will help the coaches um, select the squads for the World Cup. Um, so yeah, that's that's getting launched later this week. Um, so yeah, no, it's it's we we decided that we're going to mix everything up and change change the way we've done it in the past. Um, this is something that the, our coaches are really excited about. Um, so yeah, kind of they, they've come in with new ideas. So we're seeing how it goes and where it goes. Um, well, you you kind of need to. You need to fast track, you know, that game time together because obviously this this World Cup. It's um a lot of different nations, you know, depending on where they are and who who they are, uh, different stop preparation, you know, because of the way of the world. So, you know, obviously big score lines, but in in the Celtic Cup, but Wales, you're saying, have obviously had some time together, whereas for Scotland, it's been very different. Um, let's talk about that World Cup, and we'll start on we'll start on the wheelchair side actually. So. Um, Scotland are in Group B. It's very difficult group. So you got Wales there, who obviously has some strong competition for you. Uh, you got France, who are the current cup holders, and you've got the USA, who are probably a little bit unpredictable. You're not too sure. Not going to be too sure who they are. You know, you know, we probably wouldn't have seen too much tape of their players or anything like that. So, how do you feel about the chances uh, for Scotland to to get out of Group B? And um, yeah, what what do you think of? Uh, what do you think of the chances? I suppose it's it's going to be tough. Um, a World Cup will always be tough. So kind of there's there's no easy games once you once you get to to finals. Um, so yeah, kind of it's you've got to go in there with a, with an open mind. Obviously, France, world number one, current World Cup holders, they're going they're they're going to be a class team. Um, you know what you're going to get with the French, kind of very clinical and 
that sort of thing. Um, obviously, they've had similar restrictions. They're kind of, as far as I'm aware, their, their leagues haven't fully started back up yet. So that's kind of one, one good thing. They're kind of not fully into the swing of things yet. Um, obviously, we know well, Wales well. We've pl- played them a lot. Um, and but they're they're just a, a a great team. Kind of they know what they're doing. They've they've got their structures in place. And as you say, USA, we haven't got any idea of what to expect there. <laughs> um, so it kind of could could go one of two ways. Um, but yeah, kind of you ne- you never write anyone off though, kind of because that that will just come back and bite you. Um, so yeah, kind of the preparation for all three games will be will be the same. Kind of. You, you you can't not you can't you can't go oh that's gonna be the easy game we'll aim aim for that one um but yeah and anything can happen kind of France could have an off day and we could have kind of everything falls in place and 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 you yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's gonna it's really exciting um the co- coaches are gonna put their structures in place and put the, the players and it just then down to what happens on the day um obviously they'll be based in Sheffield for for two weeks, so they'll be able, be able to get to know each other well and kind of be in that camp atmosphere always helps you know, ch- change improvements because you're, you're there and you can you can build those relationships a bit more. So yeah, kind of the, the aim obviously is it's the top two make the semifinals. Kind of you've got you've got to put an ambition there to kind of qualify out of the group. Yeah. But if, if, we, if we didn't, then as long as the, the players put in their all and kind of they, they, they represent themselves well, that that you you can't write that off either, especially when you're in that sort of group, kind of. And when there is only two teams qualifying out, it's it's tough. Um, but yeah, because what France France are world number one, Wales are currently the third ranked in, team in the world. So kind of on paper, they should be the top two teams. Mm. But you, you never know what hap- could happen on the day. Um, so yeah, are you allowed to referee Scotland, or are you on the other in the other group? Uh, I'm not. No, yes, they've selected eight 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 referees. Um, so I'll I'll be based down in London at the Copper Box. So that's what with England, Australia, Spain, and Norway. I think it is. So yes, there'll be some some tasty games down in London. But yeah, no, sadly, uh, that is probably not sadly. Yeah, no, not not allowed to referee and until the knockout stage. I think it <laughs> and that then it's then there um, picks on performance from the group stages. So yeah, kind of I'll be in London for the first three rounds and then. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Kind of okay. I'll gonna... love to have that opportunity, and then come the semi-finals if Scotland are there and I'm selected. That's that'd be great. But kind of to me, it doesn't matter what the two teams are; they're just two teams. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah. forget what the names are. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'll save my tips then. If you're not going to be refereeing Scotland, I'll I'll save my tips for later. You know, we'll see we'll see how they go. But um, <laughs> mate, that's awesome. And look, best of luck as well because I think um. It's going to be a difficult task to get out of the group, but if Scotland can, like it's obviously going to be huge, uh, huge for the sport of wheelchair rugby league uh, for the nation. So I think that'll be fantastic, mate. Um, the Bravehearts. Uh, speaking of yeah. tough, tough groups, also um, in Group B in the men's, you guys are going to be up against the Aussies, assuming they come to the World Cup, <laughs> which is still up in the air, I suppose. Yeah. But you got the Aussies, you got the Fijians, who are my Smokies. Um, I think they're going to put together a very strong side. Kaviti Silktail's doing some great things, and they've got some great Fijian players in the NRL at the moment. So they're probably like a they're probably like a great halfback away from really being able to do some damage. But they're going to be strong, and they've made the last three semi-finals at World Cup. So they're definitely going to be strong. And then you've got Italy, who again m- m- maybe not so much like the USA in the wheelchair, where they're un- unpredictable, but they're more unpredictable in a sense of you're not too sure. Um, what their side will look like until closer to the event. So you don't know what the Heritage NRL players are going to uh, look like. They're obviously going to have some domestics as well. But, you know, that might be the game that you look forward to most because it could be quite competitive. Um, but how do you feel about Group B, mate, for, for the Bravehearts? It's it's tough. Yeah, kind of. It's yeah, kind of. It, it's exciting, though. Kind of, yeah, we're opening up with Italy. Um, and obviously we played them in 2013. And no one predicted that 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 result was a thirty-all draw. Mm. Um, so yeah, kind of it was it swung both ways. Kind of could, could have gone either way. Um, so yeah, kind of we've we've had some good, good hit outs with them. Um, so yeah, no, re- really excited. Kind of probably a good team to to open up with. Um, kind of obviously we'll we'll have a, a pre World Cup warm ups. They're just being organised at the minute, um, and then obviously hit the ground running there. Then 
a nice trip to Coventry to to face the Aussies. That's there's just something about playing Australia. Kind of, it's it's amazing. Obviously, we played them in in 2016 at the Four Nations. Yeah, um, and they're, they're just a world class team with world class players. Um, but kind of, it was it was a, a baptism of fire probably in 2016. Um, kind of having never never faced them. Um, but yeah, no, really really excited about that. Um, and then obviously, yeah, Fiji. We've we've had some good battles with them in the past as well. So kind of. The, the squad we're pulling together, we're, 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 we're quietly confident in, in what, what we're going to be able to do. Um, so yeah, kind of it's it's definitely exciting. And obviously, there's two two spots available, and kind of that that is the aim is to to get out of out of the group into the quarterfinals. Um, so yeah, kind of that that is the target that Nathan and his his coaching team have set. Um, so yeah, kind of we'll 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 make our plans, and it's a bit a bit like what I said with the wheelchair, you kind of. You go into every game the same, kind of set 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 your priorities and kind of the way you want to play, and and we'll go from there. But yeah, no, it's is I think we've we've got a chance to get out of the group, um, and then yeah, we just need to as long as we're we're on our game on the day. I think yeah, we're we're, we're confident. Tell me a little bit about that squad because many of our listeners will know about you know the Lachlan Coots and the Kane Lynettes and players like that. But who are some of the players that we may not have heard of and? You know, are there any domestic, you know, are you planning on choosing some domestic players? You know, we know some of the sides have quotas on domestic players. Uh, Greece, Italy, for example, with eight. Uh, I think Jamaica are going to have a couple. Um, what's what's Scotland's stance on domestic players? And, and you know, what who are some names that we haven't heard of yet that we should be looking out for at this event? We don't put kind of a quota number on on the amount of domestic players kind of if they're good enough we'll we'll select them yeah. um and there are definitely a couple a couple of domestics that are there or thereabouts at the minute um obviously um david scott is probably our most known domestic at the minute he's com- currently down at commentary um but he, he came up through through the pathways from under 16s all the way um to, to senior men's level um so we've got we've, we've got david um and then obviously another young player who sadly at the beginning of um, 2020 had a really bad um, ankle injury, Matt Hogg. Um, so he, uh, he's yeah. come back, coming back from, he's coming back from injury now. Well, he's, he's back training now. So kind of if, if his ankle holds up, he'll be, he'll be definitely be there or thereabouts to, to be selected into the squad. Um, but obviously kind of at this stage, no, no one's selected um, even down to the likes. Obviously you mentioned Lachlan and Kane, obviously, class players but they're they're not guaranteed selection yet it's all all down to kind of well, we've got another eight nine weeks till we have to start narrowing down the squad i think it is so it's kind of yeah everyone that has played or could play um is, is eligible we, we haven't ruled anyone out or ruled anyone in yet um and that there'll be a mixture of players from super league nrl obviously we'll, we'll have we'll be looking at, at the players up in scotland as well to, to see where, where they can fit in um so yeah no it's it's, it's definitely exciting um it's a, a good challenge i think potentially we've got the biggest pool of players currently available yeah, well. um, that we've had for, for a few years um obviously 2017 was a, a tough time with the amount of injuries we got um in the build-up to to that world cup um but as it stands uh, pretty much the majority of the squad are currently playing and injury free i think there's, there's a couple of players that are coming back from from injury but yeah no it's it's, it's definitely a good place to be at the minute and kind of a lot of the players are currently playing Super League or NRL but, mm. and have previously played. Um, so yeah, kind of they're they're all they're all in in a good level of comp, um, which helps come the World Cup. Yeah, no, definitely. But we're we're not ruling out any any of the domestic players at this stage. Kind of every, everyone that has played previously, um, and obviously we've we've got the season started now, so there could be one or two players that put their hands up um, for for selections. Kind of Nathan's. He keeps his eye out on the domestic game, looks at the under nineteen program, the student program, um, just to to see who, who there is. Um, and yeah, we 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 don't know what what the squad's going to look like yet, but kind of yeah, there's everyone's everyone's still in the mix. I love it, man. I'm always interested to see what the Scottish side looks like because people pop up that I didn't even realise, you know, especially from a heritage perspective. Like I think last time you and Aiken um, represented, and and I was sort of like, oh, where did that come from? You know, I didn't even realise. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, obviously a great player to have at that level. Lachlan Coote, you know, the fact that he has committed himself to Scotland for so long must be fantastic. 
fantastic for you guys and for some of the younger guys coming through, especially if there's domestic players around the squad, then having someone like Coot there who's won, who's played in the NRL, he's won so many, like he's won grand finals in Super League yeah. and like just fantastic to have. So good to see. And I love the idea of having as many domestics as you can because you got to give them something to play for, you know what I mean? If, if these boys know that they could be playing in a World Cup for Scotland, then that's huge. And it, and it gives more of those, more of those, uh, I guess, maybe some of the people who want to try the sport for the first time or some kids at under-16s level who want to try it or the union boys want to come across and see if they can make the national side. Like, it just, um, it's the carrot they need sometimes. So... I think that's fantastic. De- definitely. Yeah. And then obviously COVID, COVID depending and restrictions depending, we'll be looking to get some of these domestic players, students into the World Cup camp to, to train with, 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 the, with the, the men's team. Um, so just to give them that experience, obviously it's body, bodies in front training, yeah. a bit of can, cannon fodder for the, for the players. But yeah, <laughs> but that'll also give, we've, we've done that the last few kind of World Cups and Four Nations is bring, bring these younger kids in so they can experience training with with the first team um, and just see what they're doing because obviously one day we're hoping that they'll be the next men's men's team players. So kind of it's we'll be looking to hopefully, if restrictions allow, um, do that again this year and br- bring some of those players in to be additional players um, and just get that little bit of experience of being involved with with the World Cup squad. Love it, Ollie. What what's a good result for for the Bravehearts at this World Cup? Where what do they need to do? Um, to ensure success for for next year and a bit of coverage in the media in Scotland. Well, I think obviously make, reaching the the quarterfinals guarantees qualification for the twenty five World Cup. So that that's definitely got to be a goal. Um, is is to get out of the group into the quarters to because that way it's it's one less thing to to have to worry about moving forward over the next three years and in the build up to the World Cup because obviously after twenty seventeen we didn't qualify out of the group. So we we ha- we didn't qualify to the World Cup until 2019, um, so obviously that only gave us a a, a two year lead in rather than the four you'd normally mm-hmm. get. So I, th- I think that's that that from a from a, a non playing side of things, from the planning and logistics, it's it's always easier to ha- or better for us to have more time. So I think kind of quarterfinals and then anything can happen from there. So kind of I think that's got got to, got to be the aim there is kind of get out of the group and then kind of. <laughs> who knows who, who the quarterfinals will be? Kind of going on his, historical quarterfinals are most likely to be New Zealand. I think kind of we seem to get them in the quarterfinals of of, of major tournaments. So yeah, kind of I, I, I've not, to be honest, I've not looked at past the group stages who it could be. Um, but and it, once you get into the last eight, every, every team deserves to be there. So kind of there's no easy games. Um, so yeah, kind of if if it is New Zealand, you've had some success against them. Uh, in in recent history, I guess so. That's okay. Uh, well, you've gone okay against them anyway. But um, it's, look, definitely getting there would be important. And it's it's you know you got to dare to dream as well. Um, I'm I'm interested in your thoughts on this World Cup because at time of recording, obviously, as we mentioned, um, all systems go from the organisers. But all the press in Australia is that it needs to be postponed. And I and I don't quite get it because you know there's a lot of sport happening over there at the moment. You guys are really opening up in. In, in in that part of the world and crowds are coming back and everything's sort of happening. Um, but the talk over here is that, you know, the you know NRL may not send players uh, or may not allow players to go or players might not want to go. What's your gut feel um, on, on how this could all pan out and what do you want to see happen? Uh, I'm kind of torn at the minute, kind of like, I, I, obviously you see what's happening at the minute. We've got the Euro 2020 football uh, happening at the minute, ironically named still 2020, but, yeah, yeah. Um, and that 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 seems to be going well. They've got big crowds in, in in the stadiums and that sort of thing. Kind of the Olympics kick off in what three weeks' time, I think it is. Um, that's going to have big big numbers from across across the world, including including uh, Australian athletes there. So kind of there are other te- other teams are travelling, but at the same time you can you see what's happening in Australia. Obviously the borders have been closed for for a year and a half now and kind of from what we hear over here is they're not opening until 2022. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's, it's kind of where, what would happen kind of quarantine wise when they get back, could they do it at home or will they have to be in the hotels and that sort of thing? But obviously I do know that kind of the world cup have been talking to whoever it is over in Australia kind of, and then around we've, we've been told because obviously we will have players from Australia that 
the quarantine costs and stuff would be covered by the World Cup. Oh, wow. um, so that's one thing. That's one thing we was we were like, ah, what are we going to do? So that's <laughs> a lot, of, a lot of money when you bring the players over. Yeah, but that's there's little things like that where the World Cup are, they've already come out and said kind of for all all three teams. Um, and I think it might even be for the PD teams as well that the World Cup will cover the, the those quarantine costs. Um, but yeah, so kind of. I'm, I'm hopeful because the way sport is across uh, across the globe is happening at the minute that it will happen. Um, but obviously it's just getting those final finer details um, aligned um, to to keep keep, keep the, the NRL or whichever agency it is that's kind of got got the concerns. But kind of the the players I've spoken to um, in Australia kind of that that they're, they're, they're still planning to to be here. Um, so I've not I've not had anything come to me of, from anyone in our wider groups saying that they're, they're not happy to come. Um, so yeah, kind of well, take it as it is and see, see what happens. But yeah, kind of from our point of view, we're just planning that it, everything is happening as usual and um, we'll, we'll wait and see. Obviously, we were told Wednesday that there was meetings and discussions. Obviously, the, the press release came out last night or this morning or <laughs> whatever yeah. it was saying yeah. that kind of discussions have been good um, and that they're not making a call now and They'll they'll decide again um, further down the line. How, so kind of yeah. <laughs> I just wonder how late they can push it. But what you're telling me is reassuring. And you know, by the time this episode is released in a couple of weeks, it, it, there may be more answers. But uh, well, I'm glad we've had this. Uh, I always like predict trying to predict. So it's always good to good to hear. But I'll mate, probably be completely wrong. But oh, yeah. well, if, uh, you've got to be you've got to be confident it's going to go ahead. Otherwise, you'll you'll stop organising, and then it will go ahead, and something will go wrong. So yeah, from, from my point of view, I've got I've got to until the World Cup come out and physically say it's not happening, then I've got to be 100% committed to it happening. I don't have the inside info here, but I just feel like at the very least it'll happen if a few teams pull out, then so that's it'll kind of be so be it, you know. Um, that's the worst case scenario, I think. I, it just looks like all systems go to me from the, from the, the, um, the organisers' perspective. They've done absolutely everything in their power done an incredible job and I just can't see them slowing down to be honest but I could be wrong there as well or maybe I'm just it's wishful thinking like I said fingers and toes are crossed and and fingers and toes crossed for Scotland as well I hope I hope your 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 teams do well and have some success and maybe pull off some big upsets as well because I think that would be fantastic mate um as you know Ollie my um my last question is always a big one and it's always about the future so I kind of want you to look into your crystal ball five ten years and tell me sort of what Scottish Rugby League looks like if all goes to plan uh, with what you're doing at the moment. Uh, a tough question. I was actually asked this uh, a couple of weeks back, so kind of <laughs> I might regurgitate a similar sort of answer. Um, kind of structure-wise, kind of similar to what we're at at the minute, we've, we've got the, the Men's National League program. Obviously, we've touched on the new clubs, so kind of I think a thriving two, two, maybe three division comp there would be, would be ideal. Um, then same with the wheelchair. Let's get, have a, have a handful of wheelchair clubs because at the minute the clubs play in the English leagues. Yeah. But if we could ha- have a, have clubs playing in Scotland and England, I think that that would be great. Um, disability sports um, from the PD and the LD perspectives on the way up. So kind of we're on four clubs at the minute. If we could up that to eight, that, that, that would be good or even more. Um, and then, kind of filtering it down. I'd love to see every men's team also have a women's team. Um, so mirroring that. And then on top of that, under 16s. So kind of so if it's 10, 12 men's teams, same with the women, under 16s. And it all works in there. Can we bring in under 14s long term? That, that is one, one of our strategic aims is to, to see, to bring, bring the age brackets down as well and have, have more of a, a program. Um, and then obviously the national teams just going from strength to strength and kind of getting more and more Scottish-based players in, into these national teams, uh, not just the men's, but all the, the women's, the, the wheelchair, kind of the PD, every, everyone. Um, and then I guess the, the long, long-term ultimate aim is can we, could we get professional teams up here um, play, playing in that structure? Obviously, they'd be playing in the English pyramid structures, but can, can, is, is that, I think that has to be an ultimate long-term aim is to, to be part of the professional program um but yeah kind of obviously that's there's a, there's a lot that needs to fall into place for that to happen um so yeah kind of and obviously it's not cheap having professional teams 
Um, so yeah, kind of. I think that that has to be. So <laughs> if you know of anyone with a deep pocket, <laughs> get them, put them in touch because I think that has to be the long term aim is is to have have professional teams up here, um, and then go, go go from there. Really, kind of once you've got that that base there, kind of the the base we've we've, we've put in now, it's only going to allow allow things to grow because we're we're in a really good position at the minute, and it's it, the only the only way is up at the minute. Um, so yeah, no, it's re- really exciting time just now. So just thinking that far ahead is is quite exciting, even even more so. Um, to, that we might we that where we can go, the potential we've got is, is is unbelievable just now. I'm loving the progress, and you said something there because it, like I ask this question a lot, right? You know that, and um, most common answers are, you know, people talk about having a professional team, which you did, which is fine. That's fantastic, and it's what. We all want to see. But one thing you mentioned that people don't normally mention is getting those age brackets down. So you've got 16s, but you want to get 14s. And I'm sure after 14s, you want to get 12s and so on. And I think that's really important, that grassroots stuff and getting to the point where you've got kids that live, breathe rugby league and have played most of their life. And all of a sudden, that's when you've got a generation of kids that were were brought up playing the game, that's when the professional side is more of a reality. So I'm glad you mentioned that. And that's probably the bit that excites me the most um, out of what you just said, Ollie. Like that's, it's awesome to see, mate. Yeah, no, it's, it's def- definitely an exciting time and kind of, yeah, kind of with, without getting, without that ki- ki- kids, kids element of, of the sport, you kind of, you're always going to be up against it. Cause obviously they by the time they hit 16s, they've already been playing football for however many years or rugby union or, whatever other sports it is so kind of yeah kind of we are doing work at the minute in in, in schools and um, kind of in primary schools and that sort of thing but then there's nothing from there at the minute mm. um so we're kind of working at two different ends at the minute um but yeah no it's kind of the school program which hopefully will be starting in august um this year restrictions dependent is really exciting that that's under four that's in schools under 14 um but we haven't got a club concept yet so kind of we'll, we'll be going to the schools doing that and then playing festivals within the schools um so yeah there, there is some plans at the minute for for the younger ages but just not not into the club structures yet but that's that that's that's the goal you um, will come mate. is to develop them yeah it will oh, come. definitely exciting times man and i want to thank you you've given me a great like i said i've always known bits and pieces of what's going on over there i'll try and keep in touch with the clubs on social media and I've got some good relationships with a few of the guys over there, but to be able to give me this whole big picture, look at what's happening in Scotland. I know our listeners will appreciate it, mate. I've got no further questions, but is there anything that I've missed that you'd sort of like to mention or or think we need to know? Uh, I don't think so. I think we've covered pretty much everything that we're 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 on at the minute. We're pretty good, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's been great. Yeah. Kind of, I think just the thing that's exciting me at the minute is kind of, the new things we brought in kind of like around the disability sports yeah. kind of obviously having, having four, four clubs come up through COVID. Um, obviously they've, they've got a world cup at the end of the year as well. Kind of obviously that's a, f- a five team comp. So kind of, I think that's really exciting as well, kind of to see where that, that program can go. Um, and we're working with a um, care home um, company as well. And we're going to be going to care homes to deliver rugby league to, to their residents as well, which is really exciting. Um, so yeah, we've got a, a good partnership with them. Um, so yeah, no, it's 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 an exciting time for everything, and kind of yeah, no, I'm just looking forward to seeing how how this year develops. And at the start of the year, didn't think we'd be doing anything, so to actually be have people back on the field, play play playing the sport, and starting to think about going to schools and the care homes and stuff is just yeah, it's it's fantastic to see. It's all looking good, man. How can our listeners uh, follow along with what you guys are doing over there? Um, the best best way is kind of on on the old social media. So obviously on Twitter it's at Scotland RL, um, and then Instagram's Scotland Rugby League. Kind of every, everything seems to flow through those two channels. Kind of we touch a little bit on Facebook, but the majority of it's on on Twitter and Insta. Um, so yeah, kind of that, that's the best place to to see it. And we're kind of we we, we launched a podcast during um, lockdown, which has taken a little bit of a break, but we're looking to bring that back again. I was wondering um, where that's been. Of, yeah. Yeah, kind of our, our media manager got a new job and then things just went, <laughs> got too much. Um, so yeah, we're, we're looking to bring bring that back shortly. So kind of, yeah, we've, we've, we've got a few guests in, in, in the pipeline to get the interviews done and then well, that'll be coming out soon. Um, so yeah, kind of hopefully that'll be 
every couple of weeks we'll be dropping a, a new episode of that. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 yeah, kind of the social media is the place to go at the minute. And yeah. obviously, if there's any, anything interesting, obviously we we always drop that over to you for the for your golden points, and we'll we'll keep doing that because it's. It's the more coverage we can get of the sport, the better, really. I was going to say, keep it coming. Keep those golden points coming. I'm really excited to see how the National League plays out in the Scottish Cup as well. And, of course, uh, wishing you all the best for the World Cup for each of your sides there. Uh, Ollie, you've been fantastic. Thank you so much. Thanks for chasing kangaroos with me. And uh, we'll talk soon when you've got some golden points for me, mate. That sounds good. Thanks for having me on. I'll speak to you soon. Cheers, Cubs. you by Matt Haynes Sport. We are mixed and produced by Paul Murchison. Our theme music was written and recorded by Ash Barco and Ricky Cancino. The podcast is hosted by me, Michael Carboni, and The Biggest Tiger. Views are our own. Mm-hmm.